I'm going to do something a little differently this week. Instead of writing an essay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk. It's something I'm more comfortable with, and I'd love to just try this as an experiment. But this week, I'd really like to talk about friendship, particularly um, best girlfriends, although I think it's just intimate, close friendships. It doesn't have to be with girls, come to think of it. You know, my first friend, my first best girlfriend was Katie Modica. And by the way, if anybody knows Katie Modica and can find her, <laughs> please put us in touch. Um, because she was really, really a special person to me um, back in grade school. But, you know, I had a lot of obstacles to making friends because we moved to this country when I was in preschool. I didn't speak English by the time I learned, you know, and was fluent in English. Um, it took a while. My family is not American, so it was not within our culture to set up playdates or for my mom to be social with other moms at school. I just was kind of on my own. And so it took until fourth grade for me to, to really, really resonate with somebody like I did with Katie. Um, but having said that, there was also on a parallel track, another obstacle to my having really deep, intimate friendships. So in my culture, and certainly within my family, but, but I do think it's a cultural thing for Iranians, there is very much a face that you put on for the outer world, and then there's the face inside. You know, so my mom could be like screaming bloody murder at me and like calling me names. But the moment somebody from the outside, someone outside our family would come by, boom, nicest person in the world, gentle, sweet, loving. Oh my gosh, your mom's the nicest person alive. And she is that, but she's also the other thing. And, you know, there was always this sense of, um, you know, a mask that you put on for, for social purposes of being, you know, just very kind and polite and successful and, you know, all of those things. And, and I'm sure every culture and family has some version of that. But that was really internalized for me, you know, to always just be going out into the world perfect as this perfect version of myself. And you can see how that can get in the way of like real vulnerability, right? Because like there are some times that you're like head in the toilet bowl miserable, sad, um, suffering. And if you're always feeling the pressure to be quote unquote perfect, then you can't really be very real or authentic with your friends. So I, I kind of have, have struggled with that um, for most of my life. But then when my perfect marriage uh, fell apart, you know, I started to really explore what's you know, behind the myth of perfection for me. You know, if I'm not in this perfect marriage with this perfect family of five, you know, blah, 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 what is there? And so I began dismantling um, myself to really explore, you know, what's beneath the mask. Ironically, it happened during COVID. So um, the mask takes on a different connotation as well. But, you know, during this time, I became very close with two new friends and they predated COVID. But but certainly after my separation, the relationships deepened because how deep could I be with my friendships if I'm giving off the facade and the impression that 
everything is perfect in my life. I have a perfect marriage. But yet I wasn't sleeping with him, you know, for years and years. So, you know, there was a level of inauthenticity that no matter how close I wanted to be with my friends could never be really, I could never be that close because I was living a lie in some ways. So as the other stuff started to unravel, you know, there was definitely new levels of intimacy that I explored, particularly with these two friends that are so, so dear to me. And you, if you read or listened to last week's Substack, you know that recently I got some, you know, some bad health information, some bad health news about myself. And so, you know, I was with you know, one of my best friends, David, when I got the phone call from the radiologist. Um, and he was of enormous support to me that day. But as I started to learn the choreography of cancer, because it has its own choreography, its own dance, and I had to like learn those steps and be really light on my feet pretty quickly. Um, you know, he was right there with me. And then there came a moment where I had to go to meet with surgeons. And in the past, right, I would have gone with my husband and I have an incredible significant other today that I love so much and he is so supportive and loving. But for whatever reason, I didn't want to bring him into it. I wanted to go with David. And so, you know, I I felt like it was a big ask. For whatever reason, to me, it felt like a big ask. And I did. And of course, he said yes. And even that first appointment, like there was a moment now, David is a gay man, so he doesn't care about my boobs. But like, I'm sitting there and I had to disrobe and (laughs) disrobing in front of him. And he's seeing my completely battered breast. Um, And then we're meeting with the surgeon and he says, oh, you have a third nipple. Like, yes, by the way, reader, yes, I have a third nipple. I've known this my whole life. I've kind of buried it because who wants to think about their third nipple? And it's not really obvious. It's like in the fold underneath my left breast. But whatever, like it was kind of mortifying to have David find out from this guy, like, hey, you have a third nipple. I bet you thought that was a mole. I was like, no, thanks. I've always known it was a nipple. Thank you. (laughs) Like, can we stop talking about it now? But, you know, these kind of messy, embarrassing moments in front of a man who is my best friend, um, it definitely it definitely took our friendship to the next level. And then when it was the next appointment, I felt bad asking him again, like, hey, can you come with me again? Like, I know that's asking a lot, but thank goodness he came and we were able to you know, compare the doctors and make a, an informed choice that we both felt good about. Um, and that was amazing. And then I have, you know, my other really good friend, um, I would call best friend, who similarly, you know, I'm always, always like, there's always that like kind of respect and that distance in some ways, like a respectful boundary, I guess, that I have always kept in my friendships that comes from my childhood. Um, But I remember she said, like, I want to be there for you after the surgery. And I want to at least let me like bring food 
and I remember being like, oh, like, but what if I look terrible? What if I feel terrible? What if I don't want to see anybody? Like, you know, I didn't know how it was going to feel afterward. I knew that my partner was going to be with me and one of my children. Um, and I was okay being like a hot mess in front of them. But like, could I be a hot mess in front of this friend? I never had before, you know, like I'd always been kind of a put together mom at school because our kids go to school together but she is really important to me and so I was like yes and she and she kind of felt it from me so she was like well maybe I'll just send the food don't worry if you don't want me to come over you can just say no but in the end I did have her come over and I was like on the couch and who knows what I look like I know I felt like I'd been run over by a truck um, but she came and just sat with me and it felt really good to allow someone who I do love so much see me in such like kind of a vulnerable state. Um, and, and so it's amazing how it's like when you think about friendship and relationship and how you can take it to the next level, you kind of think you have to do something good and big to take it to the next level. Like at one point, David and I last year, or a year and a half ago, we went to Egypt together, which was something good and positive and big that we did together. And it did deepen our relationship. But also going through something kind of ugly and messy together, it deepened the relationship in a much more profound way and allowed me to show a part of myself that people seldom see to these people who accepted me in that state and then with my three nipples and all um and so that's it like I just just wanted to really talk about friendship today and how these people that are in our lives that yes, we can talk about television shows with or um, other people <laughs> with or just enjoy a, a nice evening out with. These are people that we can show our third nipple to <laughs> and in doing so. Um, there's like an alchemy that happens and richness that I feel really, really, I just feel so honored to have had the experience for. And, and it's, and it's part of what makes me feel so positive about this goofy health thing that's happening to me. You know, had that not happened, my relationship with these two people who were already my best friends wouldn't have deepened the way that they have and so I just you know continue to sit with gratitude and really just float in love and that's all she wrote folks or I should say that's all she said thank you for listening to me um love you guys I'm feeling good tomorrow is Easter I'm going to my boyfriend's house, his family's house, actually. And it was funny when I was checking in at the hospital, he was my 
I think they called it supportive caregiver or something like that. And the woman was like, well, what's your relationship? And we looked at each other and saying like boyfriend is like so embarrassing. I'm like, he's my boyfriend. And she was like, girl, we're going to call him your life partner. And she was like, I'm your officiate from this moment on. He is your life partner. Um, and he is, and I love him so much. So I'm excited to be sharing Easter tomorrow with his family, along with one of my children. So love you guys. Happy Easter, happy Passover, and thanks for listening. Bye.